Um, I'm not sure, Church, whether you saw the, the clip we posted from Mark Edwards from uh, City Hope Church in Ipswich yesterday uh, on Anzac Day. Uh, I hope you did. It's, it's a, a really great, great presentation he's put together, an overview of World War I and its impact on, on our nation, uh, how it was really the, the catalyst for the creation of the Australian War Memorial where Sean and Linda are now, how it helped to really solidify um, our identity as a nation and create that, that sense of Australia as an independent nation. He also talked about the impact of the war on the Australian people and the importance of remembrance. And that's what we're doing this Anzac Day long weekend. We're remembering. Remembering those who've died, remembering those who served, their sacrifice. And service is a sacrifice, we know that. And if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people who are serving in our, our military forces, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for your service, for your sacrifice. And if you're the family of one of those, those people, if you're the father and mother or son or daughter or spouse of someone who's serving, we want to thank you. It's not just the, the person who serves, but also their family who sacrifices as well. And living in Canberra, we're very aware of that, that sacrifice of the whole family. Thank you. I want to play a short clip now from the presentation that we, we posted yesterday. It's impossible for me to convey the trauma, the effect that World War I had upon our nation. But if there's one particular painting that demonstrates that trauma, it's the one behind me. This painting was painted in 1927 by Will Longstaff and it's called Menengate at Midnight. It's a poignant painting because it shows, well, I can only describe it this way, the dead rising, coming out of their places where no one knew they were even buried. No one even knew they had fallen, bar God. And here it is, hauntingly behind me. I can't help but think of the fathers and the mothers and the brothers and the sisters and the families that lost loved ones, but didn't just lose loved ones, but never ever got to see the grave where their loved one lay. In fact, the number of soldiers that were never recovered is in its tens of thousands. I'm not sure whether you've seen that painting, uh, Men and Gay at Midnight. I'd not seen it before Mark, Pastor Mark talked about it. Obviously, it's a powerful painting. When you look at it, the, the dark foreboding sky, the, the little glimpses of the red poppies in the foreground, and that, that just almost infinite number of, of bodies, of soldiers rising up, stretching off into the distance. It's certainly a powerful image. When Mark was talking about it, it wasn't so much the painting that struck me, it was the way he described uh, the impact on the families of those who, who didn't return, who didn't have a grave. The visceral reaction that, that he, he had when he talked about those who, who died without a known grave. The impact on the families, the, the mothers, the fathers, the brothers, the sisters, who never got to see the graves of their loved ones. And we're going to be talking a little bit about death this morning and 
I know that's a very sensitive topic for some, very emotional topic, very raw topic. And I certainly don't want to be making light of the sacrifice of those who died in our wars, or I don't want to make light of, of what you might be experiencing if you've lost a loved one, whether it's in a war or otherwise. So please forgive me, I'm not, not wanting to make light of any of that pain or suffering, any loss you might have suffered. Earlier in the documentary, they, they talk about the impact of the family on the families of those who didn't return. Those who didn't return without a grave, those who were, were missing, presumed dead. The anguished letters that those families wrote to the government. Wanting that sense of closure, needing that sense of a place to go, a place to be able to remember their loved ones from. And that really speaks to that, that part deep down in all of us, that, that need we all have to know our place in history, our place in time and space, our place in eternity. And all the rituals and practices around death you know, are part of establishing that, having a grave where we can go and remember someone. And without that, those people were bereft. Their anguish, their suffering was magnified. Now, I'm not sure whether uh, you've done what I used to do, and uh, Pastor Sean and Linda are out at the War Memorial, so I can, I can have a little bit of a confession now, and they'll, they'll never know. We'll just keep this our secret. But when I used to read the Old Testament, I'd get to those genealogies at the beginning of, the, of some of the Old Testament books, and, you know, so-and-so begets so-and-so begets so-and-so begets so-and-so, and on and on, until you get to the hero of that particular story. And when I first started reading my Bible, I used to skip over those. I used to think they were unimportant, which was a bit of a challenge because I knew that all scripture was God-breathed and useful for instruction. But I thought they were so boring. As I've got a little older and hopefully a little wiser, I've also watched my father get a little older. And like many people, as they, they mature, they, they seem to have a greater interest in family history. And my, da my dad's done the whole family history thing I can tell you our history uh, going back to 1857 if you really want to spend some time with me. Um, but you'll probably find that a little bit boring too. But again, that, that sense of needing to connect with that family history, those genealogies that, that put people in the context of who they are, where they came from, that anguish of the, the lost who didn't have somewhere to mourn, didn't have a grave, didn't have that closure, it's all part of that same deep, deep longing to know who we are. That part of our need to be known, to have a past and a future, to have a place in eternity, to be remembered. And of course, on Anzac Day, it's what we're doing. We're remembering. Remembering the loss, remembering the sacrifice, remembering the service. A couple of weeks ago at Easter, as Christians, we remembered. We remembered the death and resurrection of our Christ. That sense of needing to remember is deep in all of us. That sense of loss when we haven't got a grave, we don't, we don't have a place to go and, and mourn. We don't have a tangible marker, that place in history where we can point to. So we make those memorials. And Pastor Sean Linder at one of those today, the Australian War Memorial. But in every town, country, city across the nation, 
there are those memorials to those who have fallen. That tangible marker, that place in history. Now, of course, God knows, knows this need. He, he made us. He, he wove us together in the womb. He knows our need for that. And when you look at, uh, when you look at your Bible, it's full of genealogies to anchor people, to give you a sense of how those people fit into his story, their history, their family, their past, their future. It's full of stories of feasts and festivals and traditions and customs. And one of those, a really central one, is the story of the Passover. You know, we read in Exodus chapter 12 of the way that God miraculously rescued, protected his people, and then led them out of the slavery in Egypt to the promised land. And the Israelites were commanded in, in verse 14, this is the day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. And throughout history, the Jewish people have done exactly that. Through the depths of the Holocaust, in concentration camps, there are stories of Jews gathering together, scrounging what they could, they could find to be able to celebrate the Passover. And of course, that's a forerunner of what Christ was to do. Whenever we come together as, as believers and, and share communion, we remember the death and resurrection of Christ. Remember his sacrifice. We come around the new Passover table. As we read in Luke chapter 22 and all the other gospel accounts, it was at the Passover that Jesus and his disciples gathered for what we now call the Last Supper. The blood of the lamb that protected the Israelites is replaced by the blood of Christ. The escape to the promised land is replaced by the promise of eternal life. And while Christ had a grave, we read in John chapter 22 of the torment of Mary Magdalene. It talks about the fact that they had taken the Lord out of the tomb and she didn't know where they'd put him. She came to prepare the body with spices and perfumes. And she stood outside the tomb crying, unable to perform those rituals, those customs that were part of that moment in time. Now, of course, all the disciples rejoiced when Christ later on appeared to them. That evidence that we have that he overcome overcame the curse of death. The good news, remember, each Easter, not the death of Christ as much as his resurrection. We remember each Easter. So we think again of those tens of thousands of soldiers buried somewhere in Europe. One of those soldiers did return. In 1998, after being exhumed from a grave in France, the unknown soldier was returned to Australia and interred at the Australian War Memorial. The Prime Minister at the time, Paul Keating, delivered a very powerful eulogy. Let me read just part of that to you. We do not know this Australian's name and we never will. We do not know his rank or his battalion. We do not know where he was born 
nor precisely how and when he died. We do not know where in Australia he'd made his home or when he left for the battlefields of Europe. We do not know his age or his circumstances, whether he was from the city or the bush, what occupation he left to become a soldier, what religion, if he had a religion, if he was married or single. We do not know who loved him or whom he loved. If he had children, we do not know who they are. His family is lost to us as he was lost to them. We will never know who this Australian was. Yet he has always been among those whom we have honoured. We know he was one of the 45,000 Australians who died on the Western Front. One of the 416,000 Australians who volunteered for service in the First World War. One of the 324,000 Australians who served overseas in that war and one of the 60,000 Australians who died on foreign soil. One of the 100,000 Australians who have died in wars this century. He goes on with these powerful words. He is all of them. He is one of us. He is all of them. He is one of us. Those words are are inscribed on the grave of the unknown soldier in the Australian War Memorial. Powerful words indeed. As I think of those words and, and more broadly of the Anzac tradition, when you start reading about what Anzac means, you hear the Anzacs described as being innovative, laconic, fearless, loyal, not afraid to question authority. You read about the Anzac tradition reflecting ideals of courage, endurance and mateship. Now, as Australians, we don't, we don't focus on any grand battle, any Midway or Trafalgar or, or Waterloo. We don't focus on any great leader, Napoleon or Wellington or MacArthur. We focus on the all of them, the one of us. The soldiers, the sailors, the airmen, the all of them, the one of us. As I think about Christ this morning, I think about how he embodies so many of those same characteristics. The Messiah that the Jews expected to be a great leader came as a humble carpenter. He came fully man despite being the son of God. He was truly one of us. He died like all of them, yet rose from the dead for all of us. Now, I don't want to draw too long a bow about this or, or deify the unknown soldier. But that Anzac tradition points me back to Christ and his death and his sacrifice. Let's go back to Pastor Mark Edwards. This painting haunts me to a certain degree, but it should haunt you as well. And it should actually say to you that the cost of the war is more than we can ever even articulate in words. It seems to me that the artist got it right. Anzac Day is about loss, it's about grief, but Anzac Day is also about remembrance.
lest we forget. Lest we forget. I talked about the unknown soldier having inscribed on his grave, the, all of them, one of us. He also has inscribed upon that, that tombstone the same words that are inscribed upon all of the graves of the unknown soldiers. Known unto God. He is known unto God. We are all known unto God. We all have a past and a future because we're known unto God. He has a past and a future because he's known unto God. We can all share in that because that same hope, that same being known to God applies to all of us today as it has always for the past. And I've talked a little bit about God this morning and the sacrifice of his son Jesus to ensure that we have eternal life. Now he did that to pay the price for sin. Sin is just a fancy word for, for disobeying God's laws. And we've all done that in little ways, in big ways. We can't make amends for that. So God sent his son to make, make amends, to pay that price for us. He's a just God. Someone had to pay that price and he sent his son to do that for us.